Hello, welcome to Learn from a Layman. I am Carl Christensen, and like a dog to its vomit, Tim Cox has been invited back to the podcast. I will note that both dogs and vomit are an integral part of the human experience. Uh, I guess I can't argue with that. There's a lot of dog-loving individuals out there that I would not care to offend. I'm also, you know, partial. I'm I'm partial to dogs. I don't own one myself. I thought you were going to say you were a partial dog. (laughs) One eighth collie. If you ask my wife, um, (laughs) (laughs) she's like, he has this way of scratching behind his ears with his feet. It's real creepy, but kind of adorable. Uh, Yeah, it's. uh... That's about right. Okay, so today we are going to tackle parenting tips. And uh, so... First parenting tip, don't tackle. (laughs) It's don't spank, Tim. Tackling is still on the board, all right? That's right. (laughs) Then it's just restraint, but spanking, yeah, there's no uh, corporal punishment. Exactly. You can't... uh, Tackling, you can at least say that you were trying to accomplish something, you know? That's right. Um... Okay, but in reality, we've got a top five list for each of us here for uh, some parenting tips that we think are uh, going to be of worth to uh, either current parents or uh, future parents out there that might be listening. So um, just to give a little bit of background, uh, I have uh, five children, and so I'm an expert these days. I uh, think we have more children than um, every person that I know. (laughs) So... Um, and I, just to, to plug my own authority and experience, I have never dealt with kids staying out past curfew and never been a problem <laughs> in our home. Uh, swearing, not a problem. Uh, and you, you sure? know, yeah, really it's been pretty easy. I've heard for the, 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 your, your, your girls really have quite, you know, quite a problem with, you know, just letting loose. <laughs> well, the nice thing is they're still young enough that you can't understand what they're trying to express. And so, <laughs> right. Yeah. It does so, help that they're, they're all three and under. So I was going to say Tim's, uh, Tim's girls are all pretty young uh, and my children are all 10 and under as well. So if there are those of you out there listening that have older children, um, you might have tips for us, but that is not the purpose of this podcast. So <laughs> you get your own podcast, all right? <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start with my uh, my number one uh, tip, and that is reset expectations. Um, and so in this case, what I, I, I mean, I guess, is, is pretty well um, set out in a blog post that my uncle did a number of years ago. And uh, he... Uh, when he was fir- first a father, um, many, many years ago, uh, had uh, a day where his wife was out of town or something like that. So it was, and it was a weekend. And so he had, um, there, there at the time, only one daughter um, all by himself. And he uh, was, as he blogged about it, he said that his expectations for the day with the, was that, uh, that, you know, she, this, their girl was, I don't even think she was one year old yet, and so he figured that she'd be really easy. Uh, he'd be able to put her down for a nap. He'd be able to, you know, do whatever. And then he had a set of things that he was going to accomplish that day. You know, four or five things on the to-do list that he <laughs> needed to get done. 
Rookie and, mistake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so he then... Uh, Tip number two, get rid of your to-do list. Yeah, seriously. So that's... He, and his blog post was about resetting expectations, saying yeah, that that was unrealistic. A one-year-old takes so much of your time that uh, if there's more than one thing on your to-do list, uh, you're probably uh, bound for, to be disappointed. Um, so you really have to uh, figure out what is going to work. And uh, yeah, bath, bathroom time is not your own. Um, bedtime is uh, a nightmare and uh, sleeping, literally sleeping is not your own time either. Um, so just go in with your eyes wide open. I think I don't want to give in this general t- tips and tricks uh, for parenting. I don't want to give the impression that having children is something negative in my life because that is the opposite of what's true. But I do want to uh, underscore to parents to be your current parents that it's important to uh prioritize things um, appropriately. I did notice that you did say right after you were talking about sleeping, you said eyes wide open. And that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you don't have any problems with that, Tim, right? Nary a wit. What'd you but call to, 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 <laughs> you, you dirty wit. <laughs> but no, to add to what you're saying, I, I think, yeah, we sometimes, um, I've caught myself doing this where we get so caught up on what needs to be done or what we want to happen that we miss the the joy and we miss the you know the wonderful experience of being a parent um so yeah if we can set back and let go of those expectations and say you know what we're here we're breathing and (laughs) and we're having an experience together and someday i'm going to remember this and i'm going to miss this if not you know the fact that i'm wiping you know some kind of bodily excrescence out of the carpet. I will miss, you know, my having having, little girls. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll share just one story with this. It snowed. Um, and you know, we live in the Phoenix Valley and so that's exceedingly rare. Um, but it snowed like all the, the mountains were covered with snow. It was really spectacular, beautiful. And so on a, on a spontaneous whim, we said, we're going to drive up to that and, and kind of take our first little hike and walk around and, and get up there. Anyways, took us a long time to get out the door. It took us a long time to drive there. It took us a long time to stop and get food. And, and by the time we got there, it was dark. The kids were angry and grumpy and miserable. It was muddy and wet and cold and, and just kind of dis, dissolved into this total morass. And, um, you know, it was one of those moments where it's like you had to step back and say, you know what? We're out on an adventure together. And right. it's totally not like a plan. But right. I'm, I'm grateful I'm here with my family and and then so it's a it's a special memory even though i probably wouldn't do it again on purpose right yep that's uh, uh yeah i think that's pretty it's, typical for uh, i mean this can happen to anyone at any point you know things can go south and expectations can uh, take a wild leap from what they uh, you thought they were um but it happens more often with children <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right tim your turn okay so uh you know, you told me you gave me five, right? I've got seven. <laughs> just, just <laughs> but here, no, I'll, I'll say a few things. Um, okay, one one thing that, and I, I've got experience as a parent, but I'm also a, a school teacher. And so I, I you know, ah. discipline is kind of my um, part of my profession. And that doesn't mean I'm super good at it, but I'm 
worked on it a lot and practiced it a lot. And there's a few things that help help me to do better. Anyways, one is respecting agency. I think even with little kids, sometimes parents fall into this trap of we just force our authority. Um, it's going to be my way no matter what, which sometimes it has to be. I'll grant that. But for a lot of things, you you need to set it up so that you can let your child make a choice and then you can live with that choice. Um, one of the tricks to do that is to offer two options and say, which of these would you like? And so, um, for example, um, you know, say at the dinner table, kid doesn't want to eat their, um, eat their food. And, and you can say, you know, you set up two choices and now rather than just being like, you're going to eat your food and that's it and blah, blah, blah. And making it this horrible, you know, showdown of authority, you give them two choices and say, all right, you can eat your food here or you can go sit and time out or, or, you know, or you can eat your food or you can choose not to. But if you choose not to, then you're not going to get any of the dessert when it comes out. And what you'll find a, a lot of times is that you can set it up so that, you know, you're you're pulling the strings. You're the one with the real power, but you're still giving them a choice. And that makes a huge difference, even with little children. As humans, we do not like no one likes to be boxed in and told what to do. And if you give them a choice, the other thing that does is that allows you to then follow through with the consequences with calmness rather than it being a showdown of authority you can say all right well this is your choice now we're going to go through with it oh you chose not to eat your dinner i'm sorry that you don't get a cookie right rather than and and so you know it, it's kind of in how you frame it but uh, but in the end you've got to sometimes plan ahead and think of ways to let your child exercise agency and then you follow through with the consequences now my, my other tip with regarding that is to make the consequences real and make them firm. Um, a lot of disciplinarians, teachers, parents, whatever, make the mistake of we don't we want to be the nice guy, and so we try to not push a consequence because we feel bad about it. Like like the cookie example, you know, or the the dessert. Um, oh, but I I feel really bad that they don't get dessert. They're crying. They're sad. Oh, it's making a big ruckus at our family dinner. You know what? Okay, I guess we'll just let them have the cookie. And if you if you give on on not enforcing consequences, then all of a sudden your your child has learned that enough crying, enough tantrum will um, will win the day. So you've got to set consequences that you can you can enforce. Yeah. Um, the trick is to do it before it escalates to where you're getting you're doing consequences and anger. Um, I'll use one other example: uh, cleanup time. <clears throat> Our uh, you know classic parental dilemma: How do you get your kids to clean up? Um, the way that we framed it with some success is we say, okay. We're going to set a timer. You've got this much time to clean up uh, what you don't clean up after that. OK, it goes to toy jail. And so and then we can we still try to encourage them and help them along because we don't want this stuff to go to toy jail. But when that timer goes off, it's it's all over. And we've got a little box that we use and we just OK, uh, this stuff's going to toy jail. And uh, and we, we t pick up all the stuff and we take it and put it away for a few days Um when they get kids get older, you could probably make it a bit longer, but you know, you give them an older, option. You just, you just, you know, it goes from toy jail to bonfire. 
Yeah, bonfire. We're just gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna light but, this stuff on fire. <laughs> that's right. But but you, you've given them choices. You don't have to clean if you don't want to. You can make your own choice. We're we're not gonna force you. But there is a consequence that's gonna happen, and it will happen afterwards. And then you've got to be tough enough to enforce the consequence. Uh, but one note on that, and regarding the bonfire. The mistake that some people will make is they'll they'll make such an extreme consequence. They're like, I'm going to throw this stuff away, you know, <laughs> right. or, and what a terrible mistake. You, you don't want this to be Armageddon because you want the focus to be on the child's behavior, not on yours. And let's be honest, if uh, mommy and daddy are tossing all the toys into a bonfire, <laughs> then the child is not going back and thinking, man, I guess I should have, you know, chosen to to clean up. That's what we want them to think. But what they're really going to be thinking is, I hate mommy and daddy. They burned my toys. Um, whereas if you... Right. Escalation <laughs> is probably not the way to go. <laughs> that's right. You, you've you already lost if, if it's escalating like that. Right. You've got to step back. You've got to say, what's a real, natural, and reasonable consequence that I can enforce and and that will have enough teeth... Um, and, and yeah, and then you just be firm, 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 firm. So anyways, there's a few things I've got more, but okay. probably well, yeah, so, fire hose. <laughs> you, uh, well, your, uh, advice, obviously your, your tips here are, are overlapping significantly, of course, predictably with mine. Um, my number two was, was just reasoning with your children, um, because I think it's often the case that, you know, the, the foot down because I said so uh, is really the easiest way to go, right? When your kid asks, well, why am I doing that or why do I have to do that? Because I said so is easier in the short term, uh, problematic in the long term, though. So and that's a good uh, point. If I could add that a lot of this stuff, it's harder to do than to just, yeah, doing parenting and discipline right requires more effort up front and it saves you in the long run but but it is right. inconvenient yeah yeah and so and honestly uh, these tips have, have some exceptions so there are cases even in the last month that I, I can think of where i've had to say because i said so because it's it's some type of high pressure you know quick results type of uh, I, need, I need something to them to do it right now. And so if they ask why, I cannot reason with them at the time. Yeah. Uh, I will try to come back and talk to them about it later. But uh, every once in a while, uh, because I said so, has to be sufficient. But you they also are have still to, the parent. And, uh, right, yeah. exactly. But they have, to, they have to trust you and know that you have a reason behind it and that you will give them that reason if and when there is time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even I literally try to reason with my one-year-old. Now, of course... Uh, that doesn't go uh, quite as as my reasoning with my ten year old goes, um, but uh, you know I try to to you know connect like you said like connect the consequence with the choice right so you know okay um, you're choosing to go down the stairs uh, head first here's what's going to happen <laughs> um, you know and so instead of just saying no you can't go down the stairs head first. Uh, it's, well, if you do, uh, and here's anecdotal proof, uh, you know, of, of uh, so you, you, you try to actually walk them through the reasoning behind, uh, you know, decisions that you, you tell them to make or, or, or consequences that you give them and, and how, uh, why we structure our, our lives in a particular way uh, without just uh, keeping, treating them as children. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you, the, the amount of vocabulary that they have, the amount of 
uh, ability to reason uh, grows through time, but it also grows through practice. And so yeah. if you uh, give them some, uh, you know, some dialogue, they are able to actually work on that from a very young age and start realizing that we solve these problems with uh, words and with, uh, with thinking instead of just action and yelling. And, and so, um, and, and honestly, also, this does depend on the child. Certain ch children react better to being reasoned with uh, than others. I've got one that uh, is a bit of a wild child, uh, and she... Um, it's after her daddy. <laughs> but, you know, even with her, you just have to take the time to sit down and uh, and hold her and, and walk her through it. She doesn't want to sit there and be reasoned with but she she will respond to at least some some amount of talking if you can also give her some uh physical contact as well anyway there you know multiple strategies here so yeah and uh i'll, I'll kind of play off of that one of my tips would would be a, a subset a a way of reasoning and this my wife is really good at um but emphasize empathy with your child so so for example when sometimes we have to discipline our kids because they'll hit each other or or you know take something from them or throw something at each other and so when part of the process is you know we take them and pull them aside and we go to timeout and and we have to sit there and they don't like it but rather than just talking about you know what they did we um we take them through a, a talk of how how do you how would you feel you know, if someone hit you on the head with a, you know, with a Barbie right. and um, and, you know, not always. Sometimes they're too overwrought to to, you know, work sure. it out immediately. But but a lot of times you can where I say, oh, I feel bad. And you say, oh, and how do you think she feels when you did that? All oh, bad. And um, do you, you know, so but by by emphasizing thinking about how other people feel. It's like you say, we're giving them a vocabulary and giving them uh, ways of thinking through these things that will help them to then develop uh, a habit of empathy where they'll um, not that they're going to all of a sudden stop whacking each other with Barbies when they're mad. But over time, they'll get better at at stopping and having an internal script that considers the thoughts and feelings of others. And that's one of the real keys to teaching long term um, self-management is helping people to understand empathy or to yeah. empathize, I guess. Or to stop buying the Barbies. No kidding. And we don't. Just people give them to us. And it's like, where are you giving us Barbies? Oh, I'm going to see okay. We've got a bunch hiding well. them away. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reality of having a little girl. Everyone assumes that you want 20. Uh, we're 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 gonna have to do another podcast about the toxic image issues around little girls in our society. So oh. I I I and uh, of course there are Barbies and you look at them and you're like that's what kind of messed up anatomy and anyway whatever. Um, but there are like good, I feel like uh, image conscience conscious dolls that are just like you know they just wear a dress and anyway. Yeah. No, they're called Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to move on to my next one here, and this one is really important in in my uh, when I was growing up. And so this is um, my parents, my dad largely, but also my mom read to us. So read to your children. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, this one is incredibly important uh, 
both from an early age, and I mean, I think anyone that's taken any type of early childhood development classes or, or even read anything about it knows that reading to a children helps them cognitively, you know, in pretty much every aspect. Um, but uh, it's true all the way through, you know, <laughs> through their childhood. You know, they always need to have that, um, that time, you know, it, it, as you read more complex books, they, they get to experience more complex emotions, more complex, obviously, vocabulary and, and uh, situations. And, uh, and it also is a time to, to connect and, and have this shared experience. And it's also a very peaceful time. And so there's so many reasons that reading to um, your children can be a very positive experience for everyone. And so I, I honestly can't count the number of books my my father read to us it there's no question it's in the hundreds um it really wouldn't surprise me if it got close to a thousand um yes but how many of those were dick and jane (laughs) i think we read pretty much right (laughs) i think we read pretty much every pg uh, woodhouse book uh, that is in print Um, easter egg go research pg woodhouse he's awesome that's right read read his stuff you'll love it yeah, so um, then he was quite prolific, so we read a lot of that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, highly recommend taking that time. And so what I do um, with my children, and this is what, once again, my dad did with us, and my mom uh, often as well, um, is we find uh, every, every night as I'm putting them in bed, that is reading time. I sit down. Um, and I read right now I'm reading Harry Potter with the older, uh, with my three older children. Uh, and then after my two oldest girls go to bed, I read with my son even more and we're reading Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, and so it's a, it is, once again, it, this is one of those reset expectation things as well though. So, cause if, I mean, that takes sometimes as much as half an hour to 45 minutes of my night every night. Um, so if, if you have a to, good story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't let them pick. <laughs> anyway, it, Carl, that's, that that's going against my my uh, first tip. You know, you got give them options. But you uh, know, do you want to read Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, or never? <laughs> okay. But and I I will just put in a plug. Uh, reading to our daughters is one of our ways of calming them down in it, like in a meltdown or tantrum. You just sit down and start reading a story to him. I don't know. I suppose that wouldn't work with every kid. But if you've got a habit and a pattern of reading to him, a lot of times that's something that, oh, they'll, they'll get interested in the story and then they kind of forget what they're mad about. And in fact, studies have shown that even rubbing a Braille book on your on their mother's tummy while they're still in the womb has a positive effect. Interesting. I, I have I, read. I just made that up, of course. Uh, Yeah, I thought so. Um, I have actually read, though, that uh, if you read to the, you know, uh, babies in the womb, uh, they they have an affinity for that book after they're born. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, they actually maybe the cadence, the they they recognize the rhythm of it. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I, but yeah, something along those lines. They they actually can recognize to some degree the book that was read to them in the womb. Cool. So. And if you kind of like you say, if you, if you can kind of influence the choice and may have good books, stories that you enjoy also, then it can be a, an enjoyable time for you, too. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So did you have another tip? Tim, I do. I, I'll just keep going. All right. This is one of my favorites. Um, 
it's teaching your kids to bargain, trade, and problem solve. Um, so uh, everyone has this problem with kids, especially toddlers. They see something, they want it, they grab it. And we've got twins, so it's kind of always been a thing where they're just kind of, you know, oh, I want this. And as soon as someone has something, the other one wants it. And, and so we we take them through, again, this routine. If If they're fighting over something, then we talk to the person who didn't have it first and we say okay um let's do a trade what can you find that she might want to trade you for and usually they'll find something and bring it and of course she doesn't want to trade that and say okay well she doesn't want that let's try finding two things and see if she'll trade for that and so then i've had them go sometimes you know bringing up four or five items (laughs) to (laughs) trade and you know they're still getting shut down but eventually they you know usually the sibling will give in at some point and make the trade and so what we're teaching them one is it's it's a a little bit of that empathy again it's where oh i can't just take something i have to offer something in return i have to think about what they want and so again it's it's training and empathy and two it's teaching them problem solving on their own now it's not mommy and daddy coming in and saying stop fighting over that you give that back and i'm in charge and you do what i say but it's teaching them to manage their own problems and conflicts um and uh, and learning how to make compromise how to bargain it um, sounds to me that you're teaching your children capitalism Yes, well, and and we have actually given them each, you know, credit cards, and we routinely have them charge things. And, uh, you know, in, in fact, they never eat without first buying it from us. Um. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, good, because you certainly wouldn't want to be a socialist household where they just can expect food. So. <laughs> where to to each according to his need is that how it goes? From each according to his whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. <laughs> that's how much I know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hit my... Well, I've got... So I, my last two, I, I'm not going to discuss one because we've, you already hit on it pretty well. Discipline, obviously. Um, you already said most everything you need to, to discipline your children. Uh, the last one, though, is is trust. You need to trust your children. And they need to know that you trust them um, because that is so important in their development and also your ability to give them rules that are become meaningful later in life right yeah. um if you if it's all if the only reason they keep rules is because of the discipline the arbitrary discipline you're giving them then you know further down the road that's going to become uh, you know completely worthless but if you've reasoned with them if you've disciplined them and and you've also shown that you can trust that you trust them that you give them that freedom and that you're um, going to let them make those decisions themselves um then that is uh huge uh, i know that when i was a teenager my i always felt that my parents trusted me always uh, just implicitly um and so I never wanted to do anything that was going to mess that up and so i i didn't you know i really acted pretty good um and so i think it's just important that you set that trust expectation that here's the rules don't break them and i trust you that you won't and then if you do let's discuss it and let's figure out what what happened and why it happened and and move on um but the the trust factor has got to be there right on yeah that's uh and and it does it, it uplifts yep right on okay Last word, Tim? Last word. I'll just pass along. This is something that my dad shared with me that he got from a a very wise parent who got from a very wise parent. So I guess this is fourth 
fourth generation. The um, anyways, the it goes like this: you teach them to be what you are. Um, and so uh, in, in all of this, you know, work that we do as parents, in the end, our our actions and our being uh, uh, play such a huge role. If I want my kids to be honest, then one of the best things I can do is to be honest and show them that I'm an honest person. Not just fake it, not just pretend to be, but actually be honest. If I want my kids to be hardworking, I need to show them that I work hard and invite them to work alongside me. If I want my kids to be kind, I need to be a kind person and and show that I'm kind um, and invite them to be kind alongside me. Uh, you teach them to be what you are. Good. Well, that is, sounds like sage advice and not like your nephew, but like. Um. <laughs> Indeed. And not like uh, the herb either. Right. Um, okay. Well, that will be it for our parenting tips this week. Uh, when back. all of your kids end up wonderful and great just have them pass a little bit of recognition along to us we take gift cards um, small cash you know bills. large cash yeah you know, large cash sure absolutely um, nope, you know, show your saying. gratitude show your gratitude <laughs> alright and we will see you guys next week